0: hello everyone and welcome to the talk music podcast where we chat everything and anything related to the world of music and occasionally focus on topics a little bit unrelated my name is scott kelly I am a drummer turned comedy singer-songwriter and apparently now a podcaster. You're going to hear me chat to many different people, but more often than not, it will be fellow musicians having conversations about their careers and lives within, arguably, the greatest art form in the world. And you get this for free each and every week on scottcowey.com, on Stitcher Radio, and now on iTunes. So please rate, review, Subscribe, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here But for now, enjoy the show Guest this week in the podcast Mr Warren Hurt And I've got to thank my friend for this She's with me right now The only person that I know that's got a choice of two surnames Tanya Callahan Tanya Callaghan. I love it. Do you like Callaghan?
1: Callaghan? Or do Scottish you like Callaghan? Callahan. Callaghan. I'm a Callahan.
0: Yeah, it sounds it sounds actually more Scottish than it does Irish. Callaghan.
1: Yeah, we got the old Callahan.
0: Yeah. So um Tanya's been co hosting for what seems like about a year now. Yeah,
1: she um, won't shut up, <laughs> He won't shut up, are you?
0: <laughs> But yeah, we've been working together doing these podcasts and um Warren, amazing guy. A great producer and of course a wealth of experience within music He's got a crack in studio And we're going to his house We're going to speak to him
1: Yeah, absolutely we're going to him. Get some stories and ins and outs and studio life with Warren
0: Yeah, because he does 20 hour days, as you said to me
1: Oh yeah, absolutely Ever since I've known Warren He's pretty much always working Always And I'm a great, great friend of him and all of his family So I'm in the house quite a lot um, and he's always working. I can absolutely vouch for that. It's kind of crazy. I don't think I've ever seen him sit on his own couch. <laughs> he's just always working in the studio.
0: They actually get rid of the couch. Because then <laughs> there's no
1: need. He's working. <laughs> yes.
0: So, um, yeah, Tanya sorted out this interview uh, with Warren. And the reason why I'm out in Los Angeles, and Tanya is too, is that, uh, well, not only is Tanya um, a very successful session musician, but our... Um, our main focus in life now is this podcast. has <laughs> been
1: the past couple of weeks, man. Absolutely.
0: So we've been travelling Los Angeles and we've been interviewing um, a lot of our heroes and people that we look up to and some people that we kind of in a weird sort of way obsessed over particularly Carol Kay I don't think she'll take offence to it's that it's
1: just Carol Kay it's mean. just Carol Kay really <laughs> We're everybody like else will are kind, of, kind of, <laughs> of
0: interested but <laughs> Carol Kay it's just kind of like um, you know it's a whole other level living but legend uh, she totally is and I think if MD knew a little bit about her career they would understand the extent of how interesting we find her you absolutely
1: um, know a song she's played in, even if you've never listened to anything before you'll know <laughs> Yes,
0: even if you've never—it's
1: impossible heard, not to have yes. heard this woman play. If you've
0: never heard music before, the chances are you've you still, still heard a lot yeah. of the tracks that she's played on. She's
1: like, she plays all the silence as well.
0: <laughs> I've heard she's played on just as many silences as she has records. the think just rumor. all
1: that's left to do is for her to play on the moon, as we spoke about.
0: Yeah, it was actually quite. Uh, let me—I t- would like to tell you this story, everyone, and this—this this wasn't actually planned, but Tanya um, said to her because Carol was kind enough to take us out for dinner after the interview and if you don't know who Carol Kay is I'd like you to remain listening to this podcast while you google her ok um, so we, we did the interview and Carol seems to like us she says we're kind of family now yeah, she and did, she we says a let's go out for dinner and I'm getting to the point because Tanya mentioned the moon here just bear with me <laughs> So we went out for dinner with Carol and um she was telling us some great stories off camera. So we got the inside scoop, right? About all about Elvis, about Sam Cooke, oh and God. all these different the things. Good, we man. had a gold mine sitting in front of us and we would just, you know, we were saving every single minute of it. And um Tanya just suddenly turned around and went like Carol, do you know what you should do? You should play a gig on the
1: moon. <laughs> I just- figured she's done pretty much everything there is to be done and her daughter works for NASA so we kind of got onto this weird subject and I just figured you know she's such a legend she needs to be on the moon <laughs> and she did laugh very hard at that
0: yeah, she did. So um, just to just. In fact, to, uh, she
1: punched me in the leg.
0: She, was laughing, she did. So. She punched me in the leg very aggressively. Didn't speak for the rest of the time during no, the. No,
1: She thought it was charming. No,
0: she did. She thought <laughs> she thought it was charming. I thought it was slightly weird, but thankfully Carol thought it was thought it was okay. I
1: think I should manage her. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, well, I, well, <laughs> I'm well, there you go,
0: Carol. The offers there. But I tell you what, it wouldn't be surprising if Carol was listening to this right now because she's very active online. She does online bass lessons, yeah. and we would recommend anybody who's listening all. Of the world to take Check her up out in that this offer. lady,
1: she's amazing, amazing. What a career, and just such a lovely lady. I'm so glad and we're so privileged to have spent the day with her.
0: Absolutely, and on uh, a serious note, there's not many people that have got the opportunity and been afforded the opportunity to spend the day with Carol and interviewing her. So, uh, and and her dog and cat. And her dog and cat and Rusty, and what was the cat's name?
1: I didn't catch the cat's name.
0: Cat. She was hiding. Cat was quite antisocial, to well, be honest. Res- slightly, she slightly. It was a red.
1: rescue. She she was doing her thing. Doing do, her thing. They do that. In
0: the background. And I, me, and, I stay on me, the- me
1: and Rusty are like buddies now. Yes,
0: I, really good friends. <laughs> so, anyway. Talking of Carol Kay of course, we've got Warren on the podcast today So very very exciting indeed listening to his um, stories and hearing what he's got to say about music So let's get straight to the interview with Warren I am back on the Talk Music Podcast with Mr Warren Hewitt And we're in your beautiful home and I've just seen your fantastic studio And how long have you been here? In this America or here? In this studio
2: Uh, I think I bought the house... About three and a half years ago but I moved here when I moved here about 17 years ago I came over to do an album and uh, with Don Smith God rest his soul amazing engineer who, who died a couple of years ago and he lived in Agora and every day we would drive all the way out to Agora and make this record and the drummer on the album was a guy called Chad Fisher mm-hmm. and this was Chad Fisher's house right okay so probably like the second American I ever met in my life and um, I remember we were making the record for the first week, and, and he's, the weekend came up and he's like, oh, you know, having a barbecue at my house on Sunday. And uh, he's like, you should come over. So he gives us directions, so I come up here. And I remember this, it's very, I wouldn't say it was in English, but it's about as close, I grew up in a village, for instance, called a Crookham Village. And, you know, it's small. And I used to walk through fields to go to school. And the closest thing I can think of to England in Los Angeles is probably living in Laurel Canyon because you know it's trees and you know you you can see it all There's trees there's fountains there's there's a beautiful school at the bottom of the street that we can walk to mm-hmm. we usually drive um, but, but you can walk there you know it's it feels you know and there's a lot a lot of Europeans here like at, at Charlie's school my son's school there is there's at least four or five parents just in his his class that english parents or there's a um there's there's a swedish woman there there's there's everything because this is like you know it feels like not quite city living you know it's about as good as you're going to get um you know the rest of it's yeah you know i love la but laurel in particular i like so anyway long story short uh several years later he put it on the market and i bought it Awesome. It was always the house that I loved. It seemed to make sense.
0: It's great. It's a brilliant setup, and obviously, you're extremely busy out here. A mutual friend of ours, Tanya, was saying that you guys are doing like twenty-hour days and stuff like that with yeah, the I studio. Yeah, I finished at
2: one last night. I had a business meeting at nine a.m. this morning. Yeah, it's uh, it's busy, but you know, I'm 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 very blessed. I've been doing this a long ass time, as Americans would say. I've been doing this a very long time, you know, and I've made a lot of records. Firstly, as a musician. Then as a musician, engineer, slash producer, slash mixer, slash songwriter, it's all just kind of evolved over the years. Um, And, um, you know, I I consider myself very lucky, but at the same time, you know, you make your own luck. And I've worked stupid hours for a long time, and I've had a few quote-unquote breaks. You know, I've worked on something that's become successful, and so that's helped me. But no, like... Second album I ever recorded went multi-platinum, none of that kind of stuff. It's just been a long process of building a resume, you know. So you wake up one day and you're like, oh, wow, I've worked with The Fray and Augustiner and James Blunt and Aerosmith and, and, you know, Mark Prasad and all this kind of stuff. And you wake up and you're like, wow, how did that happen? You know, because at the time, it's all just like another little th- a thing you're doing and you're in love with and you work on it. And yeah, then after 17 years, it's an actual resume of work.
0: Hang on one second Warren, we'll be right back with you, we're just going to advertise some of our previous episodes. Previous a lot of absolutely phenomenal episodes for you guys to check out. The previous episodes prior to this one. Remember, spread the word, tell a friend, let them know what's going on over here. Or, or walk down the street, right? Punch someone in the face and say, check out Scott's podcast. Because on episode one, we had Glenn Matlock for the Sex Pistols. We had Hugh Morgan for the Fun Criminals. On the next one, we've also had Sandy Tom, Brian Ray from Paul McCartney's band, Ori Anthe, Bob Jacobs, who's the head spokesman of NASA, he wanted to speak to me because I'm cool. Dr. Phil Toll, who's metallic therapist. The Grahams from the band Wet Wet Wet. Andy McKee. Steve Craddock. Cliff Goldmacher. I've lost my place on the computer, just bear with me. Uh, Cliff Goldmacher joined us, then we had Steve White. Martin Taylor Stuart Copeland we had Then we had Dweezil Zappa Martin Harley Julian Lennon Carol Kay Tommy Emmanuel Kaki King John Gomm Nick West Thomas Lang Rhonda Smith Glenn Sobel Ailey McKellar Jennifer Batten Larry Graham Newton Faulkner Jack Bruce Antoine Delfour Vivi Rama And on this episode, right here, right now, Warren Hurt, com, Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Soundcloud, we are everywhere. Uh, So remember, check it out, spread the word, um, and and disown your family if they don't listen. So you mentioned a list there um, of people in different bands, one of them obviously being Aerosmith, so tell, tell us about that experience.
2: Well, that was crazy. I mean, and and I, I, I what happened is I, I co own a studio in LA called uh, Swing House, and there's a a, a very famous producer engineer uh, called Jack Douglas, who um, whose resume is um, unbelievable. You know, he recorded. Obviously, he produced Toys in the Attic. He produced uh, Rocks. He, you know, he did. Um, he re- Produced *Double Fantasy*, John Lennon's last record. And he did, then they were in the middle of making *Milk and Honey* when John was assassinated, um, and so he did that, finished that album up. He also was the engineer on *Imagine*. You know, his resume is insane. And uh, Aerosmith had come to him and asked him to make a, a more back to the roots kind of, you know, rock record like they would have made in, um, you know, in the 70s. And I think we did that largely but anyway so he and he just he had done some stuff when he was doing a lower budget kind of stuff he would come down to swing house and like book one of the small rooms and do vocals overdubs and guitars and everything and i was always in there working and we just became friends and then i just got a phone call and it just said do you want to do the record with me and i was like yeah why not you know? <laughs> what do you say it's uh you don't get those many opportunities where you get to work with uh um I don't, know, I don't want to sound cheesy like legendary artists yeah. i think more importantly you don't get you don't get too many opportunities to work with people that have uh, have a career that is so expansive that they touch so many different genres like aerosmith were a classic blues rock band from the 70s that did toys and rocks toys in the attic and rocks too they're in the top 10 rock albums of all time and then they reinvented themselves with run dmc mm-hmm. and redid walk this way and started off a whole rap rock genre, which didn't even come into fruition again until the late 90s, but they did it in the early 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, so they, they redefined something and then they made, you know, arguably two other great records in Pump and Permanent Vacation. So you've got Pump, Permanent Vacation, Rocks, and Toys in the Attic. I mean, if I was there was a top 20 list, I'm sure all four of those records would be in it, you know. Only Zeppelin or maybe possibly ACDC are gonna have more records than them, or as many. So, um, so it was a great opportunity because um you know i get to work with people that frankly genuinely talented you know there's no it's not going into like uh, some of the younger bands where you might have a really intense singer songwriter and then you know uh, up and coming bass player and a couple of great guitar this is like working with guys that what is unique about that period you know at the 50s 60s and 70s musicians Particularly 60s and 70s. What's unique about those kind of artists, you know, post Beatles is that the members of the bands were all stylists because you could make a living Being just a bass player and just is a big word. It's like you could be a bass player. You could be John Paul Jones You could be Tom Hamilton You could be John Entwistle and you could just come into a situation and just command, like this is my style This is what I do. You could be you know, a drummer, you could be Keith Moon, you could be John uh, John Bonham, you could be Ringo, you could be Charlie Watts, you could be all these guys and just have a thing. Nowadays, you put on a record and it's the same gridded drum track and with the same almost drum samples and everything mixed by the same two or three guys and there's no personality in the drummer anymore, you know, so, and the same thing could be true of the bass player, you know, it's edited and gridded and probably, you know, you go into a record with not, without trashing anybody you go into a record with whatever generic rock producer is hip this year and he gives you you know the bass sound he uses and the guitar sounds and there's usually multiple rooms going and there's guys editing it all and it comes out the, out the other side and it sounds just like the other rock record that he did before but with a different singer and maybe the same co-writers wrote those songs and that's just the world we live in but to work with a band where every member has their thing has a style that's doesn't exist anymore they're all dropping off you've got U2 you got Aerosmith and this kind of finishes there really isn't it where where else even the even the 90s band you know when Jane's came back Jane's Addiction they came back and they made one of the most boring modern rock records with whoever was hip that week it's like but you used to be this band with Eric Avery playing Joy Division style open string bass parts you know where did that go you know and
0: yeah, it's interesting. You mentioned that the characteristics of the individuals, right. you know, assembling the characteristics essentially of that group. Mm-hmm. I'm struggling to think of uh, perhaps Muse. I don't know. Oh you know. yeah,
2: Muse. Well, Muse. You know, I suppose I I, 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 agree. No, I think no, I think Muse are probably one of the last men standing.
0: They're kind of like an old school band. I mean, yeah, even though a new band, there's over twenty years now yeah. they've been going. So it's yeah, um,
2: but yeah Muse. Obviously, Radiohead. But these are these are bands that are see England, England or Britain or even just Europe in general has such a very different way of doing music than America does. America is a, it's business. This is a business country. Mm. It's all about the business. You know, I, I was talking to an English A and R guy that was working in America, and he just said his experiences were he would get a band signed. He'd he'd hear some music from a young band or a young artist, and it would be amazing, and it would be cool, and cutting edge, and just, be, and he'd take it to his label, and they go, oh my God, this is great, let's put it out. And over here, he finds a young artist or whatever, a band, and he brings it to his label, and they're like, great, well, I'm gonna give my friend, he's gonna reproduce it, and then that guy, who I also know is gonna remix it. And mm-hmm. he's just like, but it sounds great, and young, mm-hmm. fresh, and interesting. Oh no, but these are these are the people that, these the producers, and then they'll copy the production and more often than not, they'll lose all the soul of it. They'll just take everything, sap everything that was so, you know, so there's there's no, I don't think, there's no argument as to why music from over there is always changing what happens over here far more rapidly. You know, obviously there is an exception and that one exception is Nirvana. Nirvana were, you know, what would have traditionally have come from Britain Mm. or Ireland or whatever, for once came out of America. You know. You know. I must remember to say though, obviously, the reason why we all do music is because of America. I'm not trying to say that, you know there's Mike Bloomfield, you know, from the Paul Butterfield blues band had a couple of great quotes and one of my love is he goes, England took American music and sold it back to America. Mm. Which is what we did. I mean, you know, mm. we all all we were trying to do was be blues men or yeah or little richard mm-hmm. you know i mean you read anything with paul mccartney or john lennon they all they wanted to do was be little richard or Elders. you know james yeah. brown or whatever a mixture of all that stuff and and that's you know so i'm not i don't want to come across as arrogant in saying that we were better no we just we, there's just the, there's there's innovation over there isn't stifled by business as much as it has been in the past now what i do think is happening now and to is that the wonderful world of the uh, internet or interwebs, as our ex-president used to say. Um, the wonderful world of the Internet is that, you know, it's a lot easier to get from A to B, you know. And sometimes it's crap, but a lot of the time there's some really innovative stuff that's coming out. And it's very exciting that you can, you can find things and, and, and you can get to people a lot easier. Um, and that, that, I think, is helping. And the fact that budgets are, are smaller now, I think, is good. As much as it sucks for guys like me, I'd love to be paid a million dollars to do something. The reality is is that smaller budgets is helping innovation. Because it's not going, oh, well, we've got unlimited budget. Fred will reproduce the album. Now it's like, it's 90% there. Let's just remix the single. Mm -hmm. And that's good. That's good for music. That's good. It keeps the innovation alive. It keeps keeps new blood coming in. I, I like that.
0: I think so. I mean, it's interesting. All the, a lot of people I think are overtly negative to the way things are done now. Um, the music getting out there, therefore, it's it's cutting away the record company to a large degree now. But I would love to have seen, as bizarre as it might sound, Jimi Hendrix um, having a YouTube channel. Could you imagine what that would have been like? You no, know, but
2: you told Jimi Hendrix. J- Jimi Hendrix is the perfect example of what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. He moved to England. Yeah. He couldn't get arrested in New York nobody cared he was playing chitlin circuit and doing all this stuff and nobody gave a rats and then he went to england with chas chandler the bass player of the animals Mm -hmm. and got together with the cream um, i'm trying to remember my my history i'm terrible the 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 manager of the animals and chas chandler jointly managed and and chas produced the album and they put it out on was it reprise in those days or Riker? i can't remember i wish i could remember the stuff when i was 15 i knew everything You know, when you're 15, you're like, you can remember every detail of every back of every album cover. Now I don't remember all these details. But anyway, the long till short of it is they went to England, they made a record, and then he got huge in England, and they brought him back to America as a rock star. And he played Monterey, and and it just changed music. And and that is just, it's been the way that America has done business, and that's what's been really great. What I do love now is, like, there are labels in even big ones that are thinking outside the box. So... A lot of what we're talking about here is the problem for the 90s and the 2000s. Luckily now, there's a lot of guys thinking outside the box. I mean, I like, uh, you know, Capitol Records is, is completely turning itself on the head. You know, they, they have now got Don Walls running Blue Note, a great producer. So they're thinking in, in, in those creative ways. And, you, you know, and I, I just think, and they've re- reignited Harvest. You remember the old label mm-hmm. that Pink Floyd, and Roy Harper and stuff like that. This, and they're, they're looking, for artists that, that, you know, I work with an artist called Bootstraps on, um, on, on on Harvest and it's great stuff and there's been tons of sync licensing for them and re- Rolling Stone just reviewed it fairly recently, a couple of weeks ago and they're starting to get a little bit of a buzz going on about it but that whole record was made for pennies on the dollar compared to what, what you used to, you, and they used a lot of the demos and a lot of the original stuff they do because A, the budgets are smaller and B, they didn't want to screw with it and they liked what was going on and... So there are, there are people, there are labels, there are creative individuals, you know, that are thinking outside the box, finally. And that is a, is a great, great thing. Um, you know, so I don't wanna come down on the record industry the way it was when it's evolving. Now, there are obviously still people that are ingrained from 40 years ago that are trying to hold on to the way it was. But luckily, there's a lot of younger people that are coming in and, and, and changing it. And like you were intimating a second about the negativity, that is kind of a problem, if I'm a young artist now, I'm looking at it and I'm just remembering, or not even I don't remember, I'm reading about the old days of the 90s, when, you know, Nirvana got signed and then everybody that sounded like Nirvana got signed. And record companies tried to control the music industry. When we all know, historically, everything that's been worth a shit, I might have to bleep that, everything that's been worth anything in this industry has always come out of left field. The Beatles were signed to Parlophone, which is a comedy label. They were the only rock and roll band on it because George Martin just fell in love with him because he was an A&R producer. He was an A&R guy, but he was also a producer, so he had producer ears. He didn't listen to what is, he listened to what could be. He heard Mm. music and was like, I can do something with this, I can, we can make something great. And of course he was right. And you know, the other releases on Parlophone were the Goons albums, they were spoken word comedy records. So that has got nothing to do with the industry, that has got to do with individual talent, and, and Foresight from George Martin. And then you could flash forward to Nirvana. They came from Sub Pop, a little label in Seattle. They put out Bleach and it sold whatever, tens of thousands of records, maybe 100,000 plus, you know, on a completely independent level. And so it's always been, innovation has always just come from those kind of left of center things. and. Um, now we're being forced to go back to that because of the way budgets are and stuff like that. And I love it, I think it's a great time. It's a really good time for music. But it does mean that the musicians themselves have to hustle a bit more. Because there's not that kind of you know, granddaddy record label coming along going, "Oh, here's a million dollars to just try things out. You, know, you need to be involved in your own career. You need to work to help promote yourself. And I don't really think that's a problem. I think that's... Exciting. It's exciting, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah if you've worked with so many people as we've mentioned is there anybody at all from a production standpoint or engineering standpoint whatever that you haven't worked with yet that you would like to get involved in some sort of project with
2: wow that's interesting i mean it's almost like two questions because then there's the uh, i couldn't possibly because they're dead kind of people
0: oh, I, I should i should clear that up usually we i mean it could be dead or a lie just whatever right. you want.
2: I think for me, I, 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 you know, there's the thing about working with Aerosmith that was great is I got, as we were touching on earlier, I got to work with guys that had 40 plus year old career, careers in the music industry. So even when they were asking my opinion, it came with so much wealth and knowledge, you know, mm. that, and I learned so much from that record. Insane amounts, you know, good and bad, all kinds of stuff, but it's all part of the learning stuff. You know, Stephen would would have stupid, crazy ideas, and I'd be like, oh, my God, this is never going to work. But of course, it did. It always worked. <laughs> you know, and, and turn it up too loud, and I'd be turning up something 7 dB in the track, thinking, oh, my God, this is too loud. And then you listen back to it, and it is exciting. Right. You do something, come in, and you'd be like, what? At the time, you're thinking that's too loud. But he was right. It makes the song exciting. He would do things you know you'd make me pan something around a little bit which didn't make any sense that what well, didn't feel right there and then you listen back and go wow that was a great idea you know that's just the peripheral stuff beyond beyond just kind of musical stuff and then working with again like i say working with with a drummer like joey who has a style which doesn't exist anymore the guy that has a way of playing is remarkable joe perry has a style when you listen to a joe perry guitar solo you're like that's joe perry yes yes where now it's like Oh, that sounds like the edge. I mean, you know, people mm. either play like the edge because they don't, nobody wants to play blues rock anymore and they're afraid to. So everybody kind of sounds like the edge. And it's like, that's cool, um, but we already have the edge, you know. Um, you know, and Joe Perry's a stylist, he has a style, you know, Jeff Beck. So long, tall, sure of it, I would love to do a Jeff Beck record. I've met Jeff a few years ago and I had a good time with him. Jeff Beck would be a great record to make because he's a stylist. For newer bands, obviously a band like Muse would be incredible to work with. You know, every, every producer in the world would want to work with Muse. Every producer in the world would want to work with Radiohead because they would challenge you. And you would spend time just like working on ideas. And I, I feel like artists like Radiohead and Muse are not afraid to try things and then scrap it, mm. which is what you too. You know, you, you read those or you see those making of albums, you know, when it's Eno and Lenoir working together. And they do a whole song, working for three months, and then Eno would hide the tapes you know remember when they do that with within without you or something i don't yeah. remember now it's one of those tracks and he hid the tapes so they had to re-record it and you know i love that because they may have worked on a song for a long long period of time and made it super tight and super perfect and then the challenge of like you hide the tape well, you guys know how to play the song you can work up through just go in and do it now so it's fresh and real i get the the, the logic behind that because they'll go in and play it like they've been touring it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing better. A band goes down the road for two years playing their new material and then comes back in and makes a record. You can make a record in a week. It's gonna, and it's going to be great because it's going to have the energy and, and, you know, it's not going to have the overwrought and overthought process that you do when you spend too long working on a song. So I feel like those kind of artists, those handful of guys, the U2s, the, the Radioheads and the Muses, and I'm sure there's others, those are just the three obvious ones that come to mind, would all be incredible to work with because you would be allowed to make music like that. And there's a reason why all those three artists continue to make great records. I mean, U2's worst album is still better than 90% of what's been <laughs> Let's be honest, you know what I mean? It's just, it is.
0: It's the same with a lot of those acts we listen, Warren, it's been an absolute pleasure and uh, if Jeff Beck is listening the offer's now there (laughs) we have a mutual good friend (laughs) you never know or Radiohead or Muse for the Amar or or all of them combined you never know Warren, absolute pleasure
2: thank you very much I appreciate it so cool
0: chatting to Warren Hurt that's I'm I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right, Tanya.
1: Everyone uh, pronounces it so differently out here. Warren Howard, Warren Hurt, you roll it because you're Scottish,
0: of course. Um, and Tanya was going to co-host that interview, but she was actually she was in the next room.
1: I was in chatting with his, his lovely, lovely wife, Kasia, and their son, and we were kind of playing some game with Charlie. But I figured we're we're such good friends. Well, yes, we, that's we what I was going to
0: say. I mean, you guys have worked together quite a lot, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. Warren's one of the first people I really worked with out here because I was um, over here with an Irish band that I work with, an amazing band called Preacher's Son. And they ended up um, getting in touch with Warren and he was going to produce the album. So I did that album in Swinghouse Studios and his um, studio that we did the interview at, um, Spitfire up in Laurel Canyon. And long story short, I just stayed in touch with Warren after and I kind of became part of the furniture in his family. But not such. the
0: couch because he does no. not have one he,
1: No, he doesn't need a couch because he's working all the time. <laughs>
0: So uh, Tanya's worked with with Warren so much And another person that you've worked with um, Is Jeff Friedel.
1: Yeah, Jeff is a great friend of mine and Well we've worked together on the same records But never at the same time Because it was Pussifer that we worked on together So it's funny, I knew of and knew who Jeff was For years because I'd done the same Band revolving door thing But we only met in the last I think it was like a year and a half two years ago it's funny but we've always been in touch because the project that we work co-worked on with many many other amazing musicians was Maynard Keenan's side project Pussifer so you know the drums was done one year and the bass was done another year so it was funny we've been on the same list on credits for a while and only met recently
0: oh that's really cool and the reason why I bring up Jeff's name of course is that's going to be our guest next week on the podcast yes
1: Jeff incredible drummer incredible and very successful out here in Los Angeles
0: and we're going to his house
1: mm-hmm, absolutely and he has cats so I'm happy
0: yes so you can um, you can hear that interview next week you can also check out the previous episodes as you know we've had Stuart Copeland on Julian Lennon on we've had Sori we've had Tommy Emanuel list a terrible list terrible list oh, alright there's a bit of sarcasm yeah. that's coming out there yeah
1: just gotta stick it in there
0: yeah absolutely you can't <laughs> amazing you can't have an episode without one um, so there you go Jeff Friedel next week check it out Scottkelly.com. check out the podcast check out the vodcast as well um, and like we said we've thinking
1: you're going to say vodka vodka <laughs> all right okay Vodkas.
0: maybe we should get if md sponsored from, by
1: vodka yes
0: i was going to say if uh, we actually we wouldn't mind that uh, who could talking of this right what do we want as a sponsor that would I be think really tea. handy that's tea
1: that's where i was going originally with gold blend but you know I was yes G- right
0: you called it black cause well you we expensive. called
1: it my friends really that do the production that were really hooked on the tanya's gold blend um Because we did approach. Well, we didn't really because I was busy doing other stuff and they did. We should have chased it up more. But yeah, there's a company, Goldblend. But I'm pretty sure there's coffees and everything, Goldblend. So if you're out there...
0: Tanya's got a YouTube series called Tanya's Gold Blend, and it's a fantastic series, and I genuinely am a fan of it. Um, she gets different musicians in from all over the world, both, um, for lack of a better term, some famous, some not so famous. Mm-hmm. But they all have, they're so well respected in their fields, mm-hmm. and had everybody from Oriente to Ryan Sheridan.
1: Yeah, we do some great, like, mainly so far the first series in that has been Irish artists so we had like Brian Kennedy we had the Coronas some aren't even released yet Ryan Sheridan, amazing Irish band called the Riptide Movement loads and loads of stuff
0: so Tanya's trying to get a sponsor for that go blend or you're or trying, to <laughs>
1: <room area>. yeah, <laughs> I, trying to get a sponsor through me yeah
0: I'm trying to think who I could get a sponsor from in this podcast
1: I think like Scott's something it's got like Scott. just once it's not Haggis Man because I'm vegan
0: Scott's Scott's <laughs> Cadbury's podcasts get a lot of chocolate in the mail. There you maybe.
1: go. Melted by the time it arrived.
0: Scott's backdoor swabbing podcast. Blend. Scott's blend. Anyway, I don't know what we we're talking Rambling. about. I appreciate that you guys are still listening. If indeed you are, Jeff Friedel next week. You don't want to miss it. It's going to be a good one.